at first we thought we had to fight the stigma of being a college town. And we realized that it was one of the things we needed to embrace to define Boston fashion, because like you said, it's a, a global hub for education. Welcome to Fashion Cast, the fashion industry's premier podcast, where we explore all things fashion, from designers and the latest styles to sustainability and breaking fashion news, we keep you informed. Now, enjoy the show with your hosts, Michael Gloucester and me, Christine Tuck-Tuck. On today's episode, we have Jay Cauldron, Director of Community Relations at the School of Fashion Design Boston, the founder of Boston Fashion Week, and the author of numerous fashion design books. Welcome to Fashion Cast, Jay. Hi. So, Jay, you've been in the fashion industry since the age of 14, living in, yeah, living and studying in New York. And you've been instrumental in the fashion community in Boston for over 25 years. So how has the industry changed? Some of the obvious things really come out of, stem out of uh, technology and communications. You know, all the incredible digital tools we have now. I know for like when I was a student, it was really prohibitive to be able to do some of these things independently. And so that's been huge. But also a big change has been um, society and what we prioritize. So, so now, you know, we have issues of sustainability, fair trade, proper representation. So uh, it's changing the dynamic of how students kind of approach fashion. And then uh, obviously, you know, when designers are get get into the marketplace, uh, what they value and the stories they tell about what's important to them. So that's changed a lot because, I mean, I was studying uh, as a teenager at the high school of fashion industries in New York City. And at the time, it was all about more is more, you know, very glam, very excess in fashion. And there wasn't a lot of attention being paid to a lot of the issues that are sort of very present today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because just stick with the sustainability for one second, if you would. So and obviously, that's like the hottest topic in fashion. You know, so I'm, I'm just curious because Christine and I recently were at the uh, College for Creative Studies here in Detroit. And, you know, actually the chair of that particular program mentioned that, you know, the students are requesting and almost basically demanding sustainable materials to work with. Is that happening at the School of Fashion Design? Well, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the programs in the area are really uh, evolving. I think what you just described is kind of what's, what I think is going to affect the future of fashion design programs, because for students, it's very important. You know, they, they're really aware of the issue. It's important to them. So they are kind of, de you know, demanding that sustainability be a part of that whole strategy behind designing. And uh, I think some programs are really kind of leading the way and other programs are playing a little catch up, but it, it's always a part of the conversation. Now, uh, it doesn't it, it's not even a matter of a teacher bringing it up. Students bring it up right from the get go. So, you know, we could be addressing everything from organics to recycling to zero waste pattern making. So there's a lot out there. And the other thing about sustainability, you know, it runs the danger of becoming kind of a buzzword because there are so many ways into solving that issue. Um, and no one can be 100% sustainable, but I think uh, the, the fun part is gonna be uh, sort of exploring how many different ways and how many different choices you have, because 
for designers, it also creates this creative challenge, you know, like, how do I do this in a way that works for my business model? Right. And I think that the whole word sustainability with regard to fashion is somewhat misunderstood, you know, and, and we've gone through umpteen different definitions here in with regard to the show. So I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I think that's curious that that it's not a f- phenomenon just in Detroit. And I didn't think it would be. So it's kind of spreading across the country. Is it a generational thing? I mean, uh, it seems like people have been concerned about the environmental impact. You've got the Stella McCartney's of the world, you know, the Eileen Fishers of the world. You know, it's not as if this is new, but is this, is this really a generational thing? And is it going to make a difference at the end of the day? I think initially, like when you originally thought about sustainability, it was almost a novelty. And in the beginning, it was very cost prohibitive to be really as sustainable as you possibly could. But I think the more the customers are demanding it, the more designers need to address it. Um, You know, and as big companies transform, it's going to be a given and not a novelty. You know, it's just going to be a part of the equation like everything else, almost the way you would calculate, you know, what your return on on investment is. You would, you know, kind of think about what the return to the planet is, you know, so that you're thinking about how to do things in a way that are not damaging, you know, ecosystems and things like that. So I think it's just a slow process. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. But I wouldn't say that it's generational necessarily, because I know a lot of teachers to whom this is like first and foremost in the design process. And uh, they're finding all these different interesting ways to explore it, Uh, you know, traveling to other countries and seeing how fabrics are dyed naturally. And and again, like I mentioned, I love all the fun uh, challenges of zero waste pattern making. I, I think, you know. There are a lot of levels, but I think it ultimately it's going to be this demand from the consumer that's going to affect companies and they're going to want design students, you know, or d- designers who come out of schools knowing how to address some of these problems. You are a native New Yorker, but now you're living you've been living in Boston for quite some time and I've never been to Boston. So I'm just curious to know, how would you describe the Boston style? Huh. Um, that's really hard because I think... Most major cities have pretty much, with the exception of boutiques and, you know, smaller shops, all the same stores. It's really about kind of tribes within a city. You know, you have the ladies who lunch, you have the kids, you know, who are a little more edgy. So there's always a mix. Um, I think the fun part about thinking about regional fashion is to actually tap into the stereotypes. Like, you know, you think of New England and you think of college and you think of Ivy League, but I think you have to embrace that. The preppy style. Yes, yes. But but not being defined by it, but saying, okay, this is a part of our history and our culture. It's a, a part of our legacy, how people have seen us for a long time. And then having that mix into all the other influences that we get from social media and and also the retail element. Again, you know, every major street has pretty much all of the same stores, you know, you, that you can. It used to be that you'd have to travel to New York to visit some shops. And now they have regional presence, uh, you know, in almost every major city. Mm, you still have a lot of boutiques there in Boston. Yes. I mean, that's a nice thing that we still have some, you know, original homegrown shops that are doing cutting edge things, too. You know, they're buying from all around the world. And now with access, uh, they really can have just about everything that they want to uh, present their view on fashion. 
Okay, but I am curious because the influence from the college demographic in Boston is just massive. You know, two two hundred fifty thousand or more college students, fifty university and colleges. You've got students from around the world bringing you know their own culture and fashion and sense of fashion to the city, which is dynamic. I love it, and. You know, maybe I'm just dead wrong, but I'm thinking it's got to have some influence on, you know, the so-called, you know, Boston style. That's our word for the week, isn't <laughs> the it, <Boston> Christine? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't take that now. That's our word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you think so? I don't know. I think it does. But I think uh, for me, it's a little different because it's not so much uh, sort of the media version of what Boston style is for me is the impact that people who are training here to be fashion designers have, because the whole idea that it was a college town, I, I remember at the, the very start of Boston Fashion Week, at first we thought we had to fight the stigma of being a college town. And we realized that it was one of the things we needed to embrace to define Boston fashion, because like you said, it's a, a global hub for education. So young people come from all around the world. And then something really magical happens because they're all sort of socializing, you know, all the different schools, all the different departments. So they're building this network and they're influencing each other. So the the mix that you get, the influence here of fashion designers being trained here in Boston and in the region uh, is pretty amazing because it's not it's a not a narrow scope. They have firsthand access to this international audience. And then on top of that, they grow up together. You know, they go out, they graduate and go into the industry. Some of them go back to other places around the world. So they have this global network and, you know, professionals in all different areas are now the audience for these designers who they basically, you know, who trained at the same time. So there are a lot of benefits to the fact that it's a college town. And I think it ends up influencing fashion actually on a global scale, not not directly the way, you know, we think about normally with media, but with actual sort of interpersonal relationships with their peers. You're, you're making me think through here because I'm quite familiar with New York too and all the fashion schools there and the prestige. And it, it seems to me Boston's kind of holding their own based on what you just said. I mean, that's, that's pretty dynamic what you just said in terms of this global reach out of Boston. Right. And, and I think also one of the things to keep in mind uh, that in many ways, the the new frontier for fashion, a lot of it is happening here because you're thinking about performance fabrics, technology, scientific advancements, and a lot of that is happening here, you know, and even like schools like MIT, of course, but then you have uh, Harvard and Babson. And it's amazing. I get students that come to me from those schools and they, you know, they're getting great business training, you know, for apps and different types of e-commerce sites and all these kinds of things. And so there's a lot of innovation happening around fashion in that way because they want to specialize in fashion. So it isn't just the fashion designers, but the whole industry that's being affected by uh, people who are being trained and, and starting their businesses here and launching, you know, companies and experimenting. In many ways, Boston becomes this laboratory for ideas. Just staying on that subject a little bit. So the School of Fashion Design you know, are they are they collaborating with some of these other schools, you know, because you're you're talking about this outreach from Boston 
and it's it's I'm kind of going down this rabbit hole because I love what you're talking about, <laughs> and it does ducktail into some of these other issues that we wanted to talk about. But I think, you know, it's interesting because I know that a lot of these schools do collaborate and talk to each other about different programs and different expectations and what's going on in this part of the country may not, you know, clearly what's going on in LA or Miami is not going on in Boston. I mean, there's just, it's, it's a different vibe altogether. Right. But is there some kind of national collaboration? Do you talk to colleagues across the country? Oh, definitely. I mean, we, any opportunity to share information is an exciting, you know, exciting time. Um, you know, and besides the students interacting, many of the teachers teach at different schools. Like I teach at the School of Fashion Design. I teach at the Massachusetts College of Art and Design. I teach at the Museum of Fine Arts. Um, so um, I get to interact with other educators and and different types of students as well. So there's a lot of crossover and then uh, often events or special programs will bring people from different schools together to collaborate and to kind of uh, share the space. We had an event at the end of Fashion Week last year called The Process and we brought five schools together that were represented in a presentation that presented to the public, uh, you know, what the design process is and getting to meet these young designers coming out of schools directly. So um, any opportunity to do that is really an exciting thing. And it, and it, it does speak to the fact that Boston itself is a very nurturing place for for exploring ideas in every subject, uh, but in particular in fashion, we've really found that that collaborative spirit permeates everything. So you founded Boston Fashion Week over 25 years ago, and yes. you made it a successful event. What does it look like behind the scenes in terms of planning for such an event? Well, the key thing to keep in mind is that Fashion Week in Boston, like in most regional centers, it it has it has to reflect that community. And for us, it's really been uh, about treating it like a civic initiative. So we're not a production company. Everybody is volunteer. We don't make any money for doing it. And the idea is uh, to curate and facilitate things happening. And uh, and then, of course, we create certain events that we think are missing from the mix so that we have a real rounded picture. But uh, the, the real process behind the scenes for us is year long and it involves research. It involves uh, outreach where we uh, have meetings and uh, try to develop collaborations, try to find out what museums are doing that year, what, uh, you know, members of the community, what schools are focusing on. And then we develop programming that reflects that because one of the things we learned really early on in that process of developing all this is that we couldn't dictate, like we couldn't say, this is the way Fashion Week is going to be. We had to let Fashion Week be, really be, reflect what was actually happening here because it's it's really I think when it gets dangerous is when we try to copy what another city is doing and you know there are certain cities where fashion week is a very social thing you know where it's all about the parties and then others it's all about retail you know and shopping and those are all great things because they reflect the interests of people you know around fashion in those cities and for us we found that you know educational programming collaboration with other industries is key to keeping things fresh so are you attracting any designers outside the region like any international designers to the event well, over the past 25 years, we've attracted from all over. Uh, we've had people come in from different parts of the world. 
We've had uh, different parts of the United States represented. And but most important have been uh, sort of the idea of nurturing new talent. So uh, that's been a big focus for for the the bulk of the week has been about that for most years. So you have some emerging designers as well. Uh, it, it feels like we have this endless sort of feed of them because, you know, we have so many fashion design programs that every year they're definitely it's like a new crop of incredible talent. It's really exciting. You know, many of them stay here, but some of them, like I said, might go back to the country where their families are or different parts of the United States. So it's it's really exciting to see that reach go so far. So, Jay, let me ask you, just stick on this the Boston Fashion Week for a moment. It almost sounds like so many of these fashion weeks have really, really changed and they've and and not for the better. It sounds like yours has grown. I love this community outreach initiative, the different communities participating in different ways. So you may end up ironically becoming the standard bearer for fashion weeks. I mean <laughs> I mean really and and you're saying you're not getting a lot of support, I mean, financial, you've got a lot of volunteerism going on, but what about, is it actually set up, is Boston Fashion Week a 501c3 nonprofit? How, where's the money coming from? Because this isn't free. I know it's not. Right. Well, it's about people uh, stepping up. That's the way we kind of address it because we don't accept any money. So the idea is that we want people to step up and we'll find like if something needs sponsorship, like, you know, just this past fall for our big opening event, the Mandarin Oriental offered to host that event. And, and what they did was they found sponsors within their circle who would want it to support the community. And so every year it really depends on who steps up. And I, you know, I get to be, uh, I don't know, part ambassador, part cheerleader and, you know, really kind of show them the value of coming together and supporting, you know, this community because they bring an excitement. Obviously, there's an entertainment value of it all. You know, having fashion shows and parties is a lot of fun. But then they also see the value of, of cultivating new talent, you know, and, and that becomes sort of an investment in our community. So uh, I that's really our approach here. And it works here. Uh, because it's it's kind of organic to the the organizations and businesses in the region, they respond really well to it. So we're very lucky about that. It's really about again every event kind of putting together uh, what they want to do independently, and when they're looking for something like a sponsorship or a venue, we do our best to find good matches. And like I said, sometimes we do. Uh, definitely create uh, special events that we think are, as I said earlier, kind of missing from the mix. You know, we want to focus on like at opening night last year, uh, VR is an exciting thing that I'm exploring right now. So we wanted we wanted to introduce that to the public. So we got support for that. And, you know, it's it's all about having people who that's part of the, what they do. You know, like when you think of a big hotel, they are host. And so it's a natural tie-in and it's not, and the other thing we do is that we design our events based on what people want to do. So it's not a big ask for someone, you know, to say to someone, what would you like to show off about what you offer? So, you know, the whole the hotel were incredible hosts and they made everyone feel amazing. And but we it wasn't about sort of demanding we want this and that. We asked them what did they feel comfortable sharing? Like what was you know, you have to address pe what people budget for time, for resources. 
you know, most major companies have room for developing their relationship with the community that they're in. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's amazing because I'm certain that most cities don't have that kind of collaboration. I know Detroit doesn't, but Christine, mm. did you have a different question? Yeah. Uh, so does Boston have a fashion incubator for emerging designers like other cities, such as Brooklyn, uh, the Brooklyn Fashion Incubator and the Chicago Fashion Incubator? So does Boston have something like that? To be honest with you, uh, that is really kind of the the nature of the Boston fashion scene. Um, there's no uh, specific incubator. There are a few really great resources like Factory 45 and ThreadTech that really offer new designers um, some tools and access to resources to help develop themselves, which is obviously really important for a new designer to learn, you know, how to manufacture and how to interact with that side of the business. So there are always initiatives and always projects, uh, but not uh, like an organization right now that focuses exclusively on the creative side of incubating sort of new talent. Why do you think that is? Well, like I said, I think it happens kind of organically, like uh, more established designers really go out of their way to support newer designers. Okay. Um, and the fact that it's such a college town, everybody is kind of part coach, part mentor, part teacher. So that's a natural extension of everything. So I think that's probably why. I mean, I think there's always room for it. I would welcome it. I think that would be exciting. And definitely the resources we do have are exciting because they're they're offering very valuable things. Because I was going to say, what you're describing is one gigantic fashion incubator. Yeah, Boston, exactly. you know, it's just it's one like, large incubator, whoa. yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I don't, I don't want Pretty to say much. that, even though I just did, because yeah. I... Sounds like you could use a fashion incubator in Boston. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we would we'd welcome any new initiatives. It's always a, a great thing to add to the mix. So you've attended, a, you know, do you attend a lot of regional and international fashion events? And if so, which events do you prefer to go to? It seems like a lot of the fashion academics do attend these and take notes and, you know, come back and you know, try to incorporate some of this information into their courses. Is that something that you do or you've been able to do? I did it a long time. I used to actually cover New York Fashion Week in its early days when it was 7th on 6th and wow. obviously uh, Fashion Group International events, things like that. But uh, honestly, over the past, I don't know, maybe 10 years, I've kind of gravitated towards programming events and conferences and things like that that were about other industries. Because I felt like, you know, when I was going to some, you know, some lecture or, or event about science or tech or the arts, it gave me uh, a fresh way of looking because a lot of people are trying to solve the same problems, but they're approaching it in different ways. So it, it opened up my eyes and it started to th see my own industry in a different way. So I think when it comes to what I invest in for events or lectures and panels and things like that, or, or even coursework or workshops, it's usually around kind of uh, exploring a new skill or a new tool set. You've authored numerous books on fashion. So what motivated you to teach fashion through publishing? Well, I was very lucky because I was actually approached about my first book um, to, to write the book. And I was trying to figure out what it would be, you know, so and I really settled on a primer to the industry. So my first book, it was really about an introduction because I found so many students were coming to school with slightly unrealistic expectations and didn't have an idea of the scope of it. 
And I wanted to do that. So that really was the motivation behind the first book. And then kind of bookending that because I've written other other books independently and as a collaborator, a co-author. But my last book, uh, What They Didn't Teach You in Fashion School, really came out of students coming back to me and letting me know, you know, they had studied business at, you know, some of them go to two schools at the same time, you know, they'll get the degree from BU or Babson in business, and they come to us for their fashion training. So they know how to make a garment pattern work. sew everything. And then they come back and go, uh, what do I do with it all? You know, mm. kind of like there were so many little things because the role of the designer isn't just designing clothes anymore. They have to think on a, a much bigger scale. There's a lot of moving parts. Exactly. And so I found like nine major areas and they became the structure for the book. And it was really amazing because I I was able to I had been teaching a class that that fit this description of all the things that they needed, but I would have needed like nine textbooks to cover it. So so this book became the new text for the book because it really brought together uh, answers to the questions that all my students have been asking for years. Wow. So that's is that great. book used in other fashion schools and courses, do you think? Or I mean, you would that's probably a good know. Question. Yeah. I was wondering. I I don't, I honestly, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's been sold uh, all around the world, um, but I, I don't know. Uh, they don't give me information of like who adopts it, but I, we definitely use it at our school. So, so they teach emerging designers the ins and outs of the business pretty much. Well, it's, it's almost not business. I mean, even though we touch on business subjects, I like to call it a practice. So, uh, you know, just the way a lawyer or a doctor would have a practice, um, you know, that's the way I like to approach building a career in fashion so that it's not just about the social, not just about the pretty dresses, but the scope of everything and also maintaining a, a really good balance for your career personally. So you're teaching online too, right? With through Creative yes. Live. Wow. And how long have you been doing that? Well, I just developed this uh, one sort of multifaceted course with them a few years back. Yeah, that was a really exciting experiment. I had never done that before. And is it still ongoing? It's still being offered. I actually had a student recently taking one of my classes and uh, she was going to miss the first class. So she ended up finding my online course and she used that to make up for the class she took and she was missing so that she would be, you know, on schedule with everything. So that wasn't a fun treat to see people doing that. But the creative live experience was really amazing because um, I thought my experience, you know, I've been teaching for a long time at that point, And I thought my experience of teaching a class would influence my creative live class. And it was just the opposite. The way they film and the way they segment things actually really challenged me. I had to rethink my whole uh, presentation and I learned so much that it ended up influencing how I do classes because they approach everything in very digestible content because not everybody online goes through the whole course at once. So five minute segments have to stand on their own. They have to be like this little nugget of information. And I have to say, my students have really responded to how I've adapted my classes to incorporate some of those, uh, you know, those structural elements of the creative live class. So those are all advantages 
to that outside of the classroom and, and just in front of the camera kind of teaching. But have there been any disadvantages to it? Well, the thing that I miss, the biggest disadvantage, disadvantage for me is that, you know, when we filmed it, I had a small classroom. But of course, that personal connection, I miss that because uh, that back and forth with students and it's always a new group. I miss that personally. So uh, I, I love the in-person uh, face-to-face because uh, you just never know what's going to happen. It seems like you've been around the block in the fashion. I mean, you're like a fashion, <laughs> walking fashion encyclopedia, man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so I love the fact that your career is so diverse, so rich. I mean, you're, you're, you're down for the struggle, too, with all this Boston Fashion Week stuff. So who do you think most influenced you at this point from the fashion world? Hmm. Uh, Well, I've had a lot of fashion heroes. I mean, you know, they're obviously designers, both past and present, who've been big influence on me creatively. And I know this will sound corny, but honestly, the biggest influence for me in my career has have been my students. It's really true because there are plenty of jobs you can go to and and be creative. But here I get to share my approaches, but then they're always challenging. They always have new ideas for things. So it keeps me on my toes in, you know, and when you're in the moment in a classroom, time just flies by. And then they also, you know, their needs kind of have affected my choices when it comes to everything from writing to doing events, doing museum work, like all these different kinds of things have been influenced by what I've learned from them. That's nice. So Jay, besides uh, preparing for Boston Fashion Week in October. Are there any other big projects for 2020? I wouldn't say for 2020. I think this is going to be a longer investment of time. But right now, I I started on a big research project. And I'm really trying to learn from the bigger scope of our community and see how fashion can be explored in other ways. I can just give you an example. A few years ago, one of the things that inspired me was... um, Uh, Peter DeMuro at the dance complex here in Boston approached me about doing something about the choreography of. And uh, so he was doing this thing where he's reaching out to sports figures and chefs and in my case, you know, someone in design. And he wanted to to explore the movement of the process, you know, as a dancer and as as a choreographer. But for me, those kinds of interactions kind of provide access access to fashion and the idea of fashion to audiences that normally would think, oh, that's not me. You know, I'm not uh, that's not part of my world. And I want to explore those kinds of opportunities with other parts of uh, of our community. So everything from arts and uh, entertainment, the idea of alternatives to a fashion show, for instance, learning more about virtual reality and film and exhibition so that we have a bigger menu to play with, because I, I feel like especially after 25 years, you know, the community starts to build these kind of boundaries, you know, like, oh, that's the limit of us. And yeah, we're a smaller regional fashion community. But the minute we start to explore our relationships with these other areas, we start to expand. So that's kind of my big project. And, you know, it might be a book, an installation or something like that, or a combination of things. So it's it's all in the works still right now. But that's one of the things that's kind of uh, taking up any extra time I might have, you know, between projects. Where do you find the time? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I ask myself about that a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so creative. I love what 
this other artist is doing and you know it's like only in boston could something like this happen that's wonderful what is the time frame when when does he think he's going to be done with this project Oh, well, that project actually took uh, uh, took place a, a while ago, but it's just one of the examples of like the kind of creative things that are happening in other disciplines. And I just want to officially kind of start to explore that in more detail right now, because I think it'll provide new outlets, you know, for our design community, but also for our students and even our educators. They can explore new ways of educating the next generation of designers. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Jay Calderon, thank you so much for participating and appearing on FashionCast. It's been a pleasure and a great, great honor. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for thinking of me. This is a, a lot of fun to be able to talk about all this. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, tell a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also visit us on our website at fashioncastpodcast.com. I'm Christine. And I'm Michael. Stay beautiful. Stay beautiful.